Hello everyone, I'm Jacob Kaufman. And I'm Michael Cheneau. And welcome to episode 81 of the Nerd on the Street podcast. How you doing this week, Michael? Oh, it's been kind of crazy, but we're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the reason we're recording a, a special episode today, we normally don't record podcasts on a regular basis, but we are currently in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, um, COVID-19. Whenever I need to write it down, I put COVID-19 because I don't know if coronavirus is supposed to be capitalized or not. Do you know? No. Like grammatically? Okay. So yeah, I, no, I don't want to get it wrong. You're, so you're just, asking me? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. I guess I have to write it a lot more uh, because of, of my job, which is customer facing. So people ask, well, why is my computer taking so long to build? And well, we're, we're not receiving parts that we normally would receive shipments. Um, so Michael, I wanted to sit down with you uh, because you're also working in the IT space. And I've got, you know, everybody is affected by coronavirus right now. But mm. I feel like you you and I were having some conversation about it anyway. I think we're kind of on similar wavelengths with the whole thing. And I just wanted to kind of discuss how it's affecting Nerd of the Street, since this is the Nerd of the Street podcast, but also how it's affecting just people in general and what we're thinking about it right now. Yep. Um, the first, it was really interesting how this whole thing happened. The first that I heard of coronavirus was actually way back in January um and when when did you like when did you start like hearing about it a whole lot it was around that same time um i don't really watch news that much okay yeah and i I really i don't either as much as i used to i used to be all over a lot of different news sites and i used to watch a bunch of different news shows but you know i've been trying to i don't know i've been trying to unplug a little bit if that makes sense yeah but the, the first that I heard of it, you know, it was interesting because when it when it started, it was just like a, a thing in China and it stayed that way for like months. Right. It was like two months where it was we were hearing about it in the news. But Which it wasn't I believe here. That was around December, wasn't it, when it started? Uh, I like I said, I heard about it starting in January. It might have started. It probably did start before then. But I heard about it in January because the company that I work for, uh, we build computers and they um I'll say they because they're not associated with this podcast. Uh, they get a lot of their shipments of parts from China. And so we heard about it in January when we started hearing that shipments were going to be delayed. And, it, and then we're seeing on the news like, oh, this coronavirus thing is happening over in China. So we just weren't hearing anything. We weren't getting any updates from them. They basically just fell off the radar. And it's like, well, we assume that they'll be back in a few months. But, you know, our, our customers, we were kind of telling uh, we didn't have a definite timeline for when we were going to be able to deliver products that were being ordered. So it was kind of awkward for a while. Um, and then it was strange because it was in China for so long. And it seems like the pandemic, like by the time it started in the rest of the world, it was like on the downhill descent in China, it seemed like. Is that yeah, like the impression you got? That's or? the impression. Well, I wouldn't say right away. I'd say probably it seems like within the last probably 20, 30 days is when China's really kind of started going the other direction. Um, okay. Yeah. But And we're recording it, this on April 5th, 2020, just for viewers. Yeah. Um, so, I, again, I haven't been following the news stories very closely, mainly because I've been so slammed at work more than anything. Um, yeah. Which is a whole other thing, which I'm sure we'll get into in a minute. Definitely. Um, it seems like they're kind of, you know, their their curve's starting to go down. But, I mean, you know, they started where we were now, like, in January is kind of what I've gathered just from what I've read online and stuff. So that, you know, who knows how much yeah. longer this is going to go. Well, it wasn't, um, like I said, with the companies that we deal with in China, since all of the Chinese companies are kind of, I mean, if the government tells them to do something, they do it immediately. 
and they don't really have, I, I guess here in America, obviously they can tell people to stay at home, but they're not going to like, they're not controlling The government's not controlling information here. Whereas in China, they kind of do. So we, we were hearing absolutely nothing. It, like I said, it was literally just like, Oh, the people who we've been working with for a decade just dropped off the map for several months. And we heard nothing until March. We started getting shipments again slowly. And it's like, well, I guess they're coming back to work. Yeah. But so past 30 days. Yeah. I, I would say that's about right for when, when things have started easing up. Um, now, China took, from what I heard in the news, they took some really drastic measures to try and slow the spread of coronavirus within their country. I don't know how much you were, like, hearing about what they were doing. Yeah, um, really, I don't know what they've all been doing, but, I mean, there's, I've seen the, the I've and seen I think a lot of the world here doesn't know, for sure. Yeah, yeah well, but, I, I think that's a big part of it, to be honest. They don't, we don't know the whole story, and we probably never will. So, right. it's, it's hard to say for sure what's all been done over there, but... Yeah. I mean, from what I I heard, a couple of, go ahead. I mean, from what I heard, they were, they had our equivalent of a stay at home order. They had like an actual, I, they had it much stricter than we have it here right now. They had an actual quarantine. It sounded like where people were not being allowed to leave their homes, except for so many times a a week to get, you know, supplies and groceries and whatever. Um, And that was actually being, it sounded like it was actually being enforced by law enforcement, which I think that's the big difference between what they were doing and what we're doing now is that they were actually like, if you went outside and were just kind of hanging out or were just walking, like the, the, you would actually get stopped by law enforcement for what I, from what I, yeah. that was, from what and I, I was mean, hearing. Have you read the County, like where we're at stay at home order? Uh, I haven't read the specific stay at home order for St. Louis. I read the, the entire Denver one, but the, uh, the St. Louis one, I've only read news stories for it. Yeah. Actual, so, Source. Yeah, let me see if I can find it real quick because it's interesting that you say that. I don't, uh, I can't find it. Oh wait, I know where it's at. So add PDF to the end of your Google search. <laughs> That'll help what, you. What'd you say? I said add add the word PDF to the end of your Google search. <laughs> That'll probably help find the. Uh, oh, I document. I, had, I had saved the link. So okay. here it is. Because I think it actually does say in here, and I just want to confirm that there is a you know, there is a penalty that's listed in here if you break the stay at home order. Oh, there is a penalty listed in the St. Louis one? I believe there is. That's what I wanted to see. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pulling the Denver one up right now, but I am almost positive there's not actually... See, the Denver one, it's really... In America, it's interesting. In the United States, um, it's interesting because we've got you know a constitution that sets out a, a lot of basic things that we take for granted every day, um, and it's interesting to see so many people just like rallying their support on social media for martial law and for just this stuff that really shouldn't be used except in extreme emergency um and whether or not i the current pandemic is is the type of emergency that requires that is kind of yeah i mean so some people think that it is i'm just gonna read this first line violating a public health order designed to prevent the entrance of an infectious contagious or communicable or dangerous disease into St. Louis County County is punishable by a misdemeanor prudent to, and then they list some, you know, legal, uh, 90, it's 192.300, you know, statute. So, I mean, it is listed, it is a misdemeanor, technically, if you break the stay-at-home order, where we are now. Interesting. They have to prove that, you know, I mean. <laughs> right. And it's, and it's not, I don't know about where you are, but here, there's still people, you know, there's still quite a few people out and around. They just, clo- like, they had to close, because parks were exempt. Like, you could still go walk at the park. I think one of the parks in St. Louis City had like the biggest attendance they ever had because that was all that was open. So they closed those now. 
So mm-hmm. again, you know, they got to be able to prove that, but it does stay at stay in that stay at home order. It is technically a misdemeanor if you break it. Okay. Yeah. See, I just did a control F for the words punish and misdemeanor and they are nowhere to be found in the Denver order. Yeah. What about citation? Uh, citation. Let me check. And there, I know there's also a Colorado one, and I think Missouri finally has a statewide one too, right? And yeah, there Mike, wasn't for a Mike while. Mike Parsons, think, the governor of Missouri, he dropped one yesterday. I have not read that one yet. It was we were uh, one of no, the last states. No to do results it. for citation in mine here. So that's interesting. So yeah, it is listed um, in in this, the St. Louis one. Now that's the St. Louis County one. St. Louis City, it's right. a different order. So. Well, it was interesting because yeah, that was one of the things when they did the Denver. I don't actually live in Denver. I, I live in Arapahoe County. Well, I, which is Denver. That's the, the big difference between St. Louis and most other cities is that St. Louis, the city and county are completely separate. But there are only four cities in the entire United States that are set up that way. The rest of them, including Denver, the, the city includes all the counties. Like the counties yeah. make up the city. There is no like place that's a city that's not a county here. Yeah, because so, here it's like the governments are separate, the, the legal system separate, separate, the separate police, police departments, departments separate. Yeah, which I think like you said, what did you say? How many states? There's not very many places around the country like that. So there's only four cities, yeah. and three of them are in one state, and then one is is St. Louis. Um, and they, the, they, the but they've been trying to change like, it here for years. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, there's it, it's funny because when that originally happened, it was the city divorcing the county because the city didn't want to pay into the county's taxes in St. Louis. And now the situation is completely flipped and the city is poor and wanting the county to pay into the city's taxes. So yep. that so. completely backfired on on, <laughs> on them. Yep. Um, but that's a historical thing. But, yeah, it's it's been interesting to watch the difference in reaction because the Denver Denver did have a stay at home order way before St. Louis officially did. And it's a more liberal city, and that makes sense that they'd be more willing to jump on that, or you know, more more young people who are more interested in I don't know social well being. When before the actual official stay at home order started, my work sent me home. I don't know about yours. Did, did were you still working at your job until the actual stay at home order dropped? Um, I guess I guess you're I not was, even included in that technically. Well, I was because I was IT, but there were they we were already on what they were calling skeleton crew, so people were only coming in certain days a week. They were working okay. from home when possible. Um, yeah. I was there a lot longer because of the nature of being the only IT person. Right. And yeah, my, my department, my manager had to start working from home a week or two before the actual stay-at-home order dropped. And I, two of us in the department, I'm in a four-person department plus our manager, so pretty small department, larger than your department of one, obviously. But, yeah. uh, but I was actually, two of us were arguing for not doing the work at home thing and I was one of them and then the other two were saying no we should we should start working from home uh, because it's safer now my arguments for not working from home before the actual stay-at-home order dropped were number one even though most of my job and I'm very fortunate that my current job can be performed almost entirely remotely Um, like I I am in a very good position economically in relation to the pandemic like it, it is basically not affecting me economically which is great uh, because a lot of people have been a lot more affected, but there are still some things that are much easier to do. I've got more screens, more monitors in the office. I've got a lab full of equipment I can test with in the office that I don't have here at home. So it, it is more, you know, when I'm working tech support from home, it's it's a lot more just telling people how I theoretically think it should work and then convincing them that that's true rather than actually having a machine in front of me to test with. Um, so that was annoying to not have that anymore. And then also, um, I don't know about you, Michael. Do you like, I guess you still live at home, right, with your family? Yes, correct. 
yeah, so you probably eat with them and like you're you probably have family dinners and stuff. Uh, not very often. Uh, not very often. Okay. I, I am I am out of the house a lot. Um, okay. Not anymore. <laughs> um, so this is it's been a big change for me actually because you know okay. I'm, I'm always I was one of those people who was always like when I'm not at work I'm usually not at home I'm out you know doing whatever so okay polar opposite of me when I'm not at work I am at home <laughs> and hardly <laughs> ever anywhere else than those two locations but yeah um, I still all of my meals come from outside of my apartment like my fridge right now is actually 100% empty. <laughs> I don't know about like do you cook meals at home or do you mostly get like carry out and take out and restaurants um, and stuff like normally or right now normally normally I hardly ever eat at home right now okay. we're doing a lot of eating at home just for okay. you know simplicity, so you are now because because yeah. you're at home so it's convenient for you to do that um, yeah and I mean I I wasn't one of those people who like if I'm going out to get food I'm gonna eat out I don't bring it home so okay. and that's not an, and that's not an option right now so. Okay. Yeah. Cause see, I, I always would, <laughs> when I was in college for those two years and then the six months that I, after that, and basically up until now and including now, I just go out, I get food and then I bring it back home and eat it here at my desk. So really the, um, my food situation has not changed at all and I knew it wouldn't. And so that was why when the stay at home thing was first starting, I was reasoning with my manager. I'm like, you're saying that working from home is going to make us less likely to get this virus, but Every single one of my meals, which is usually about one a day, sometimes uh, hardly ever more than one a day. There are some days I literally don't eat. But for the most part, every single day I'm going outside. Another person who's probably getting paid less than I am is preparing my meal. And I usually don't see them doing it. They're in another room or behind a counter or something. So I could get coronavirus at any time from just healthcare work or healthcare workers, from food workers, you know. And yeah. I, I basically, I'm not concerned about it because i if i was i'd just be kind of out of luck for my lifestyle because when you're asking somebody to work from home you're asking them to work from home and that's fine but then when you start asking them well no you can't you can't eat at the places you normally eat you gotta you know go get groceries and cook at home too then it's like now you're asking me to do more you're asking me to change my lifestyle and that is not related to my work and i didn't like that my work was telling me to do things not related to work when i'm clocked out I do not want to be held accountable for anything whatsoever when I'm clocked out, you know? Yeah. Um, now that the stay at home order has gone into effect, it's a little bit different because it's actually a, a wider thing um, and a legal thing. But yeah, so, so you, most of what I do can be done from home. I do a lot of answering tickets online and then I do phone calls too. Um, you're actually working at a physical place though. And some of what you do is, it sounds like is desktop support. And then you also do like server admin and, and network admin and stuff like that. Um, so how, how's, how's the stay at home stuff affected your job? So just for reference, and I work in a you know, public legal sector, that's how I'll put it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it has affected us immensely. Um, so a lot of the work I do can be done remotely. And, but a lot of the time when I was at the office, I, you know, I had remote desktop tools and, you know, all that good stuff to do. I could hardly ever leave my desk if I wanted to, but a lot of the times I'll go to people's offices just because one, you know, you build relationships with people when you do that, mm -hmm. which I think is important yeah. when you're working in an environment like that. And two, sometimes it was just easier, you know, to troubleshoot stuff oh, that yeah. way. Um, so now it's completely a hundred percent remote for the most part. Now I got to go in Monday cause we got a new employee coming in. But other than that, you know, unless I have to go to the office, I'm not going to the office. Mm -hmm. 
um, another big part for us was, you know, so we, most of the court hearings that we dealt with have been shut down at this point. There's literally the only hearings that are still happening is the stuff that has to happen legally for federal, most of it's for federal reasons, okay. you know, federal laws, but like they're not doing any jury trials right now. Uh, grand jury is completely shut down as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and no in-person hearings are happening. Um, and I don't even think they're letting, so, you know, we're in a public building. Yeah. Anybody, they're not even, normally anybody could come into that building. They can't stop them unless, you know, they threaten them or something like that. Right. Um, they have completely shut down that building to employees only at this point. So, wow. um, I haven't been up there in a week and a half, so we'll see what it's like on Monday when I get up there. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And it makes sense for like jury type stuff because when somebody say gets summoned to jury duty, they would be part of, of what you're talking about, right? Oh, so oh that's yeah, a, yeah, that's a legally um, required thing where the government's saying you have to come in and do this. Now, if if, if the government shut it down, if the government were to do that, and then one person in that jury had coronavirus, and then the other, however many people, also got it from that person, well, then it's like, so well, the you government know, caused this, so so it, they can't. It's a little even more deeper than that than you think, though. Oh, um, yeah, because so do you, how much do you know about like how jury trials uh, like function? I have high school and a little bit of college experience, yeah. <laughs> not any further. Um, so. There's 12 people in a jury. Now, right. depending on what... So if it's a murder trial, uh-huh. they're probably going to call 70 or 80 jurors for that one case. and Because they have to interview pick and down to pick 12. the jury, right. Correct. The one that they, So there's literally thousands of people there on a Monday yeah. for, for jury duty. And uh, now, probably, only 100 of them are going to sit on cases. Right. But they're there. And they jam them and in a room. Exa- and they, yeah. Just like any government facility, it's not like you got yep. a ton of space to work with. Nope. So that was a big deal. And that actually, that, that order, so our, our courthouse, so there's circuits, our circuit shut down before they did it across the state, but the Missouri Supreme Court actually did issue an order saying you are not allowed to hold their, all jury trials will be continued basically. Hmm. Um, and then about a week later they shut down grand jury, which if you don't know what grand jury is, um, they're the one who, you know what an indictment is? Yeah. When it comes to least, so grand jury indicts, trial jury convicts. Um, so that went a little bit. That they did that a little bit later, but that is also shut down statewide now. So it's pretty crazy. I mean, and I, I there's people there who've been there, you know, thirty years. Like they've never seen anything like this. Yeah, this has never happened. And yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, you say it's like they've never seen anything like this. I was looking online. I've been uh, checking probably more than I normally check the uh, subreddits for both Denver and St. Louis, and those aren't a great indication of just public opinion because it's really just a bubble on Reddit with the people who are on that specific subreddit. But yeah, it's been interesting to read like what people, it, how many people think this is like normal response to a, a critical situation. Uh, and we really don't know because it's not every year that a pandemic like this occurs. It's been, it's been compared to the H1N1 flu pandemic about a decade ago, a little over a decade ago. But I don't remember this kind of response to that. I remember seeing it on the news, no. H1N1, but it wasn't this kind of response. So it was in, so there's 2009. Yeah. The, the most similar to this current response with like actual stay at home orders being issued that I've seen was in the early 1900s i think it what it was it spanish flu yeah yeah so like people are quoting uh, the that the 1980s it was bird bird flu wasn't it hold on <laughs> yeah 1918 yeah it was spanish yeah it was spanish flu you're right yeah in 1918 it looks like that was h1n1 as well actually <laughs> when i just yeah. looked it up here that it was the spanish flu but it was h1n1 virus 
1918. And so people that are quoting like, oh, this is a normal response to uh, a pandemic. They did the same thing when the Spanish flu happened uh, a century ago. And it's like, yeah. what you have to wonder uh, is, first of all, how many people from then are still alive now and actually participating in the discussion? And yeah. two, how much have we scientifically and technically progressed since yeah, then? Well, in the medical system, I mean, you can't even compare that. Right. Like, that's a century. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have personally been questioning a lot of the, I, like I said, I was hesitant to go on the, the, the voluntary stay-at-home thing. Um, and then I've also been questioning a lot of the the response from the government. I've read a whole lot of really interesting comments. People in Missouri, a lot of people in Kansas City and St. Louis in particular, were very upset that Governor Parsons was not, that's his name, right? Yeah, Mike Parsons. Yeah, so I, I, they were very upset that, that the, the governor of Missouri was not issuing a statewide stay-at-home order, and he was leaving it up. And just like people were upset that President Trump wasn't, issuing a countrywide stay-at-home order they were wanting in 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 president trump uh, earlier on cited the wants to have that dealt with more locally um and you know let communities decide for themselves what is is necessary rather than just making a blanket because these most of the people online talking about this are in these big city centers on the coasts or in places you know denver Mm -hmm. st louis chicago like these cities and then you've also got people just out in the middle of nowhere where a stay-at-home order might not make sense because they're already distanced you know on a well, day-to-day yeah, basis well not only couldn't you know not make sense but could, could completely wreck their economy you right know, that's another thing that if you're a big city it's you know you've got a lot more capital to deal with but when you're in a, a country in the little country town in the middle of nowhere i mean that's how you destroy the business infrastructure in a you know what i'm saying right in a little and town I, like I that it can be really bad yeah i don't think anybody would have died because all the stay-at-home orders that i've read have exceptions for going out and getting food by the way i wanted to correct myself yeah. The Denver one, I did find uh, the word they used was civil penalty, and I didn't search for that one. So, um, okay, now that's interesting. Oh, that's really interesting to me. Why is because that? Because if there's, because there's, if they're saying it's a civil penalty, that's not a criminal charge. Okay, is it? It's not a misdemeanor either, then. No. Okay. No. Well, if I have to look at, I have to look at the actual statute, but that's really interesting that they're using that term civil, because whenever I think, when I think a civil, anything civil, that's not. A criminal okay, charge. well, it's inter- let me read you the actual. So this is um, page 11. It's, it's section 7 of the order. Pursuant to section 2424 of the Denver Revised Municipal Code, it is unlawful for any person to fail to comply with this order. Any person who fails to comply with this order may also be subject to a civil penalty of up to $999 per violation. Enforcement actions are intended to be cumulative in nature, and Denver may pursue one or more civil, criminal, and administrative actions Fees, fines, okay, sentences, penalties, judgments, and remedies, and may do so simultaneously or in succession. So, what does that give? So, them what that makes it that makes it sound like they're not saying, you know, they're not tying it. Now, I'd have to read it again to see it. Yeah. But from what you just said, that makes it sound like okay, we're not going to tie this to anything specific. Right. So that they just listed a bunch of can, stuff. We can deal with it on a case by case basis. Right. <laughs> now, again, I don't know Denver law as well as I know Missouri law, and I don't really know Missouri law law well at all. But yeah. just into the nature of my job, I've been around it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um it that's really interesting that's way more open because like the the st louis county ones like it's class a it's class a misdemeanor if hmm. they can you know prove it right and yeah I, I i was i was talking to kirsten about this and uh so kirsten kirsten's going to uh she was going to college in new york um and she was flown home um a little bit just like right before the the new york stay-at-home stuff went into effect basically 
Um, so she's at in St. Louis right now, and she's staying with my mom. Now, my mom and my dad are living in different places, and Kirsten was like, oh, well, now I can't go see dad anymore because, you know, they got the stay-at-home thing. And I was like, well, I mean, if anybody ever stops you, you can just say you're on your way to the grocery store, or you can actually just go to the grocery store <laughs> in between <laughs> every time you want to go from, from one point to another point. Just make a stop at the grocery store in between, and you're going to a residence either way, so... You know, what page was that on? I uh, think I found the-, the yeah, the Denver one was on well, it's on page eleven of the PDF. But yeah. Um Yeah, and it was it was also the same thing was happening in Colorado, where Colorado, a lot of people think Colorado and they think like basically they think liberal, they think big city type stuff, but Denver isn't the entirety of Colorado. There actually are a lot of farms and deserts and stuff in Colorado and obviously the mountains. And so the the Colorado governor was also behind the Denver mayor in his stay-at-home order, and a lot of people were upset by that. Uh, but yeah, even though food, like getting groceries and, and stuff like that, has always been exempt from all these orders, you know, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, it does it even make sense to, you know, if, if you're out in a very small, like actual farmers, where they're, they're on their own properties, very far away from one another, there's no need to have an, you know, an official order saying that you're not allowed to to have a, a sit-in restaurant or I, I don't know I guess there are some I, I guess it what I'm saying is I can see how it doesn't hurt too much on a, on a statewide you know blanket level but like you said then you, you've got the economy stuff going on too which is also just insane what's going on with that now yeah <laughs> I want to back up and talk about the restaurants first though so like real I said, quick, real quick oh, yeah. though, if you, uh, I'm looking at this. So the way I read this, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not an expert, is they're saying they there's a civil penalty. Now I don't know how Denver uses the term civil, and I think civil, civil, I don't think criminal. But anyway, right. I so mean, they're saying they can fine you up up to nine hundred ninety nine dollars for violation. Okay, but then this next part, they're basically saying here, the way I take it is, is they are they have the ability to push other criminal charges, penalties, whatever right. if they so choose. Which is that's that's in. Like, I think you'd have to refer to the section twenty four twenty four of the municipal code. Yeah, because that's what they're exactly that's what they're citing there. Yeah. So, but that's interesting. That's way different than the one here. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, now again, I haven't looked at the um, the statewide one for Missouri. I've only looked okay. at the um, the city county ones. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, Illinois was another one where I know I've got some friends in Illinois because you know St. Louis has a ton of people who commute in from Illinois. Um, yeah, because we're right on the border. And Illinois did their stay-at-home order way before St. Louis even did. Um, so there were people in Illinois who were, were working from home while St. Louis had not yet put in its its city and county stay-at-home order. Um, and the reason I think why Illinois was one of the first couple of states to put a stay-at-home order in place is because of Chicago, probably, because they've got oh, a huge absolutely. city. You know, if, if, if Chicago wasn't in Illinois, then it would just be a rural state. But since they've got Chicago, they were more concerned about this because that's a lot of people in a small area, which is what a city is. Yep. Um, so restaurants, though. Uh, so like I said, I've been going out and like basically I don't eat super healthy, but I've been going out and getting food that is prepared at restaurants and just, you know, take out, carry out, stuff like that. Kirsten told me that a lot of the carry out places in St. Louis are like closing or are temporarily closed because of this? Um, some of them are, some of them aren't. Um, okay. Now, again, I haven't read this new order, so it's hard for me to say. Um, I should pull that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go ahead and pull it up, but the all the orders that I've seen, they have said, and it was interesting, when I went to read the Denver one, um, I immediately, I picked out, there's a section in there about getting, like, grocery, like, yeah, okay, so the 
The Denver one has an essential business uh, section for groceries, stores, certified farmers markets, blah, 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 supermarkets, food banks, convenience stores, and other establishments engaged in the retail sale of canned food, dry goods, fresh fruits and vegetables, fresh meats, fish, and poultry. Those are all things that would be healthier than what I normally eat, but that's all in one section. And then there's like way lower down. Okay, so section two was grocery stores. Section XIII is restaurants and other facilities. <laughs> so like they, they're treating them, they're in different sections in the definition, but they're being treated the same where as long as people aren't sitting in your restaurant, there's been nothing here that would shut down a, a restaurant if they're just doing carry out. Like I can walk into a restaurant. It's not even a thing where they can only do delivery. I can go and pick up my food and that's what I've been doing. A lot of the places here um, have closed their dining rooms. Like you can't even go in the building. You either got to go through the drive-thru or what a lot of them have done, have put out um, signage. Okay. And so you pull into this, um, you pull into a parking spot that's got signage in front of it ah. saying, call this number and tell us which spot you're in and they'll, then they'll bring it to your car. Okay. Yeah. So that's becoming pretty common around here. And I, it's interesting you say that. I think St. Louis is pretty notorious for requiring a car to live there, right? Like nobody's going to yeah. be in St. Louis and not owning a car. Oh, no, you, you, you couldn't. <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> Denver, a lot of people here pride themselves on not owning cars and there is, there is more robust public transportation. Um, and so you can't just require people to go through drive throughs because people don't have cars. Um, but then yeah. I, I have seen the, the closest thing to what you're describing that I've seen here is, and it's, it's been really interesting to see every individual restaurant that I go to and kind of seeing the different character. The Pizza Huts that I've went to, you can walk into a Pizza Hut and tell them that you're ready, but if your food's not ready yet, then you have to walk back outside and then they, they take it out the door to you so there's not like people waiting inside the restaurant. Um, gotcha. The Domino's near me has a sign on the door and they've actually got their door locked and you have to call them and say you're picking up and then they bring it out to the front door to you. So that's more like what you're describing where you're not able to go into the building at all. But, so this stay-at-home order is kind of hard to read, but I did find governor.mo. Okay. This is saying, so this is just one of their, this is their main website. Yeah. So examples of things that you can do under this order. Go to grocery, convenience, warehouse stores, pharmacies, pick up medications, medical appointments. So go to a restaurant for takeout, delivery, or drive through so they're not getting rid of that. Yeah. Go to a place of worship. Uh, just make sure that's there are interesting people in any single space. I think that the place um, of worship and now the place of worship is treated differently, I think, than other things because of the the freedom of religion, which is constitutional. Um, mm -hmm. But I thought it was really interesting because some of the earliest cases that I heard of in like California of this really of coronavirus spreading a whole lot were in in places of worship because it's so many people. Yeah in the, it's a lot of people gathering together and that's exactly what you're not supposed yeah. to have right now. Um, now so what's I'd interesting is, so I can go by, you know, so I am fairly involved you in are. church around here. Um, our church shut down before the, any of the orders okay. went into place. Yeah. So our church did shut down. Now, not all of them did. Right. But so this order here says you can go to a place of worship, but you cannot have more than 10 people in any single space, any single space. So, <laughs> so like what do they define um, space? So, but, no, Huh. So, like, is it that keeps room? Six feet of distance. Between, I guess um, most churches have gone online live right. streaming at this yeah. point, um, which is what we're doing. 
But I mean, um, a lot of so. you, you're at a Lutheran church that's, I think, more mm-hmm. technically, technologically inclined. Um, uh, we are, we are a very contemporary Lutheran church is the way I like to put it. Um, well, you, s- you know, we do a lot of the technology that some of the bigger mega churches do. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm not a, an expert on religion by any means, but from mm-hmm. the impressions that I've gotten, I've, I've gone to a fair number of churches. Both my parents were... Uh, religious. My dad was Catholic. My mom was Church of Christ, and I went to a, a wide variety of, you know, grandparents' churches and things mm-hmm. like that growing up, just like you probably have. Um, and yep. any Lutheran church that I went to, like normally they at least had projectors for like the the words yep. of songs that people were singing. Whereas like if I the church that Adam, my cousin, goes to, that's a, a Catholic church. I cannot imagine them live streaming a service. No, no, Catholic, definitely not. But the reason I always say that is a lot of traditional Lutheran churches can be, you know, a lot like the traditional Catholic church. Okay. So yeah, we're different in that regard. Okay. Um, but a lot more of them are starting to become more, more like how we are. Cause I mean, you know, we do extra life at the church I go to, right. you know how it's set up there. So yeah. Um, it is more contemporary than some of them out there, but there's a lot of them that are like that as well. So, okay. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a common theme is that a lot of individual establishments were reacting to coronavirus sooner than than governments were. And once oh, again, no doubt. a lot of people were upset about that. I personally, I think maybe that's how it should be. I mean, it... it it depends on how you think the government should operate, I guess. Right. You know. Because if if the government had just come out and said, okay, everybody's got to go home right now. And like if they had done that a month before they did, when... That's when how people, you incite a riot. Right. That's going <laughs> to piss people off and make people angry and make people not very happy with, with the government. And some people would say, oh, well, it doesn't matter if people are happy with the government. That's just pandering to voters and, and you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I don't know. I, I just think there's the spirit of the law in, in of, of America is just as important as as the law itself that's got these provisions for emergencies built into it. So yeah. Uh what were we talking about before? Yeah, so the economy has been <laughs> interesting to watch. Um I've definitely I think the I another podcast um that I listened to an episode of the BOE report. Um, it's a Canadian podcast, and they articulated very well what I thought about when the stay-at-home orders went into place. That they just could not believe how everybody is just kind of okay with just flushing the economy down the toilet, <laughs> like in this in order to deal with with the pandemic. It just really seems like there's, I mean, a lot of people just not concerned with the the short-term or long-term economic impacts. Um, I don't know. Do you own any stocks, Michael? I do. You do. You do. Okay. How have your stocks been? I, any Any thoughts there? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't looked. <laughs> I was scared. Don't Let's look, look at it right now. Yeah. I'm gonna look right now. Yeah. The the BOE report on their website. They ooh <laughs> yeah. Not, not looking good. Yeah. No. Uh. The B. So yeah. It was at. So Walt Disney's what I own. Okay. Um. It's a nice it's Tuesday, one. February. Yeah, so it was it was something my grandfather got for me when I was born. Hmm. So I've had it for since you know early late nineties. Okay. Um, so January second, it was one hundred and forty eight dollars a share. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Right now it's ninety three eighty eight. That's like a um a one third reduction. Yeah. That's a lot. Um. Yeah. It was all the way down. Uh, March twentieth, it was eighty five ninety eight. Okay. Yeah, it seems like I from the graphs that I've been seeing online, it looks like we're starting to go back up again. People are realizing that and, the world is not and actually we will. exploded. Um 
honestly, now's the time to buy stock. Right. If you're going to buy stock. Yeah. No, my big yeah. sister who, uh, my big sister is, is living in Australia right now. And, and she was texting me and like, oh, it's an exciting time if you're buying right now. And I'm not somebody yeah. who's into stocks personally. I, um, I, I think that private businesses are a better way to do business. I don't like the idea of, you know, giving someone else money, hoping that they're successful. And then I get a tiny percentage back. Um, yeah. it just, to me, it's like, let me just work and get paid faster than that. But yeah. I, I get like, it, it's definitely, it can be a very effective way to, to grow your income if you're actually paying attention yeah. and putting the time into it. Um, yeah. Well, hey, it was twenty-seven bucks a share when you bought it. So hey, yeah, I mean that's green. yeah. You, you've still made a, a profit <laughs> since then. Um, yeah. I haven't checked my Bitcoin actually. Let me is my phone in? Yeah, let me grab this. I haven't I, looked at uh, Bitcoin prices either. Yeah, I bought ten dollars worth of Bitcoin, and it's it's been hovering around like sixty or seventy dollars for the past couple of years. Bitcoin's been pretty flat. So I and I I would think that cryptocurrencies are less affected than like stocks and stuff. But if I take a look, oh, it definitely went it it went down. Oh, I've been logged out. I haven't checked my Bitcoin balance in so much. I've been logged out of Coinbase. Um, it definitely went down. All right. So January. Okay. We'll say Feb February twentieth. It was nine thousand six two two. It looks like it was. Yeah. Right it, now it's six eight. I mean, it's bit, six thousand eight hundred. Bitcoin was doing pretty poorly in December, and so I think right now it's it's around where it was in December. It looks like it did go super far down about a month ago, and. Now it's back up to around where it was in December, yeah. so that's not crazy. Um, no, but the yeah the the BOE report they track oil prices, um, and the oil prices were just you know down a ton uh, yeah. for a while. Gas is cheap right now. <laughs> gas is cheap right now, which is is good for us uh, actual people, and uh, supposedly bad for the economy itself, um, or at least bad for the people working in the oil industry. But yeah, the, the prices have started to recover now. Um, so I, I actually thought about getting some stocks uh, since everything's so low or just getting, you know, something. Yeah. But I don't know enough about it. I don't want to make an uneducated, you know, just So I'm in the way. wonderful position of having my grandfather help me with all this. Okay. So yeah. we're, I'm going to be looking at some of that here in the next coming days. Definitely. I don't know what I'm going with yet, but that's his problem. Yeah, my, my sister told me, uh, Kirsten told me that, that my dad and my grandpa were like both looking at their retirement funds and like those were <laughs> affected too. And I'm like, well, no, they are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they are definitely affected, but long term, either like I told Kirsten this when everything was starting to go down, I'm like, either it's going to go back up to at least where it was before, or if it doesn't go back up to at least close to what it was before, then everything is screwed anyway. And it's not going to, you know, retirement fund wouldn't matter. Yeah. I mean, the, if a dollar doesn't buy anything. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's been crazy. I, like I said, I, think that you and I are both in relatively good positions economically because we both we work in IT. No doubt about uh, it. Very yeah, lucky there. No doubt about it. Um, and I'm like, I am super happy being in my current position where I can do, like I said, most of what I do. Now, today I went into our office um, to perform some testing and stuff. And, you know, my, my work made me go in on the weekend when nobody else was there, just in case I have coronavirus so I don't spread it to the production teams. But... <laughs> Yeah, most of the, the like customer answering tickets um, and taking phone calls and stuff, I can do all that from home. Um, I actually feel a little bit gypped because at this job, we were already working from home once a day or once a week anyway. Uh, when I worked at my previous job, that was the, the enterprise job. I was in a network operations center, and that one, they had like the technical ability to work from home. They just wanted us to come in out of principle, and now they're working from home. So it's like, well, if I had stayed there until now, I would have gotten the work from home gig. But yep. uh, that notwithstanding, yeah, it's been, I, I would uh, almost hate to even think about like if 
I, I mean, it, it just must be crazy for the people who are part of those non-essential businesses, you know? Well, and I got some, I got some friends in even food service and it's, it's hurting them. And like, even in food service, even in food service, which is classified as essential and theoretically yeah. should still be able to continue. Oh yeah. And go back to the restaurants for just a second. So you, you, you have seen some restaurants closed though, because I have not seen a single restaurant um, here that's actually closed in Denver. There are a few that have decided that it's not worth it to them. Okay, to I operate, guess just like not as like many that. people going out. So yeah, it's it. They've decided it's not going to be worth what it's going to cost for them to stay open mm-hmm. to stay open. Now these are these are always the smaller restaurants, you know, like little mom and pop right. kind of places. Which so. honestly are the ones that I would be more inclined to want to help. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They're they're the ones that are not going to make it through this. You know, all the big companies, they'll be fine. Right. They're going to make it through it, no problem. Yeah. It's going to hurt their bottom line a little bit, but they're not going to close. Yeah. Did you see any, uh, just out of curiosity, have you noticed that maybe a, a disproportionate amount of the restaurants that have closed have been like Chinese food restaurants or no? I, I, I don't eat at Chinese food restaurants. Oh, you don't? So okay. I haven't even paid attention. Nope. Okay. Yeah. We, <laughs> I like Chinese food a lot, and so does Kirsten, and, and she told me that... Uh, the places that we normally frequent in St. Louis are like all closed. And I thought that was funny and, and interesting. And I saw some um, messages online uh, or, or some, uh, like I said, I, I was following the subreddits and there were like some Chinese food places that were going out and saying when uh, this was earlier on when it was more of a, like coronavirus was a, a thing coming out of China. Uh, now it's more of a mm-hmm. global thing anyway, but like back when it was like just starting to spread and, Oh, there might be a couple cases that aren't in China. There were some Chinese food places that were like having to go out and market like, Hey, none of us have actually been to China recently. Just so you guys know, <laughs> like, even though we're Chinese, yeah. we we're, we don't go to China every day. We're safe. Um, I think I heard too, that like the Corona, the beer has like, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> Their sales like bombed. That was well. like. I mean, on. I saw. No, I, I'm not sure if that one's actually real because I saw some people. I don't know either. I'm just saying that's something I had. I heard, saw some people so. getting really angry on that about Twitter. I feel like that was just a picture yeah. somebody took to be funny. Like that that picture of uh, the beer aisle at a grocery store, and it's all the shelves are empty except just the like Corona is just just entirely stocked. Um, well, here's an uh, article from CNN Business that says Corona beer is being temporarily suspended in Mexico because of the pandemic. Well, I feel like that's a problem with them not being able to yeah. disassociate <laughs> a brand from a word yeah. that happens to be the same. But That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely not great for branding, but yeah, no. I, I would blame that one on people being uneducated and, and making non-rational decisions if they're choosing. If, if you know, I don't drink at all. So like, I don't, you know, Corona could, I, where is Corona produced? Is that like, is like Bush is in St. Louis here in, in of Colorado's cor- cores? Uh, according to this article, it says suspended in Mexico. I don't know if they import it or if there's Oh, so Corona actually comes it. from Mexico? Like that's where it, it's made? I, it could. Okay. Yeah. It's Mexican beer. I don't, okay. I don't drink it. <laughs> I drink all American okay. beer. Yeah. Um, I, I drink trash beer to be honest, but, right. um, well, yeah, so I, like I've had people here in Denver, like I've heard them throw shade at Anheuser-Busch and I'm like, excuse me, there's a St. Louis instead of get your table. <laughs> hey, all I drink is Bush and Bud Select. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, Bud Light. So, I mean, I'm not the one to ask. I'm not into all like, you know, but, you know, it could it's going to affect the market probably too. And a lot of these like, you know, smaller microbreweries and stuff like that. But then again, I don't drink any of that anyway. So yeah. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, it was interesting. You mentioned the microbreweries, and that reminded me of dispensaries here in Colorado, um, in Denver especially. Oh, uh, and it was mm-hmm. funny. The the stay-at-home order for Denver, I'm pretty sure – I'm scrolling through it right now. Let me see. I feel I, – I think there was a, a revision to it. 
The stay-at-home order for Denver initially... I am almost certain that it exempted, it said that dispensaries were essential. Oh, here, here we go. A, section XVII, uh, no, XVIII. So licensed marijuana stores, uh, so long as physical distancing protocols are developed and strictly implemented. So they, they were deemed essential. And I think that part of why they did that was the same reason why liquor stores, now here in Denver, liquor stores were exempted from the stay-at-home order because if you're an alcoholic, you're going to have withdrawal symptoms if your liquor store has just stopped mm-hmm. selling you alcohol. And so like medically, since this is a medical issue, they, they actually forgot to exempt liquor stores. Uh, people got really upset and panicked and bought a bunch of liquor and the, the liquor, st- liquor store owners got angry because then they were one being shut down and two being run out of stock. And then the mayor said, oh, never mind. And he issued like an update to the order that included liquor stores. That was kind of a debacle here. <laughs> uh, Kirsten, are, are, are liquor stores affected over there, do you know, in, in St. Louis? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Because I don't, I don't normally buy beer at liquor stores. I just buy them at okay. the grocery store. Yeah, I was talking. So, I, and that's all open. Okay. So. Yeah, my dad goes to liquor stores a lot. I was talking to him a, a, couple, a, a week or two ago, but I don't remember what he if he said that they were or weren't affected too I much. I would imagine they would probably still be open. Right. I would my guess would be is they'd probably still be open. Yeah. Um, because the, like, so, Oh, go ahead. I was going to, so is, I don't remember, is Denver a medical marijuana state or nope, recreational? Recreational. It was the second recreational, recreational state. state after Washington. And the first one to actually get okay. implemented. Well, cause I was going to say if, if it was a medical state, I mean, that's easy. Well, it's a medication, right. you know, yeah. but I didn't know. That's a good how, point. Cause I could see them saying, well, if you've got a medical card, right. then, you yeah. know, that's, exempt maybe but I was yeah just no I, I i thought it was really interesting that they kept they, they don't say anything about medical it's just uh licensed marijuana stores are allowed to continue operating as long as they follow social distancing procedures well i know uh the all the like the vape stores here they're still open okay yeah and i think a lot of it but is i don't know if they're yeah, I don't know if they're letting people in the store, though. You might have to, they might do, like, the delivery thing, like, outside your car. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the, um, like I said, the withdrawal thing. I just wasn't sure if withdrawal was a thing for marijuana or if, like, I, I, I don't know because I don't do it. But yeah. um, one interesting thing that kind of leads me to, I heard when I was reading news articles about this, um, I heard in California the first time when they had a, a gun shop that tried to stay open and then the cops had to go and tell them, no, you're not exempted, you have to shut down. And so I, that was a, an interesting read. Obviously, California is pretty, it's one of the stricter states with their gun control laws, mm-hmm. but then they're still within the United States, which obviously has the Second Amendment. Uh, but yeah, so the, the gun shop owner actually, when, when the police went and asked him why he hadn't closed, he said it was because he had already made some sales like online and stuff. And there's the Department of Justice only gives you so many days to give the gun to the person, like you can't hold it for more than so many days and so they had to stay open they well they said they had to stay open and then the the state or the local police like shut them down anyway and said well just you're gonna have to get an exception from the department of justice but yeah you're more into guns than i am any any thoughts about that well it's kind of interesting um the panic buying is at a level i have not seen since probably obama got elected okay so you've you've seen Um, a lot more people buying firearms recently Oh, it's it's ridiculous okay a massive uptick because I went out and bought a bunch of ammunition, not because I'm worried about crazy stuff happening or whatever, but just because I target shoot regularly, and the prices are not going to go back to normal for a few months, right. even once the stock comes back in. That's just the way it is. So I wanted to make sure I had enough to, you know, yeah. target shoot for the next couple of months once the ranges open back up. Mm-hmm. But it was, towards the end there, it was impossible to find stuff. It was just gone. Like, the whole store is just, like, 
empty. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. I think I heard uh, about kind of some of that happening here in Denver before the stay-at-home order stuff uh, started. But yeah, nothing. None of the exemptions apply. The gun store, yeah, gun stores are not classified as essential. And I don't know about Missouri. I haven't been out. I don't even know. Yeah, haven't checked. Not that you. I mean, it's not like you're like out going target shooting because you're supposed to be at home anyway. Here, no, because all the ranges are closed. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because they're not yeah. essential either. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Um, yeah, it's interesting to to hear the the terminology thrown around like that too, like essential and not essential, because it's kind of. I actually remember when I was uh, still in school before I had decided that I was like for sure before I had picked out where I was going to college. I was kind of talking to my parents about like, oh, you know, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? And, uh, or, or at least, you know, how are you thinking about possible career paths? And I, I told them I was thinking about maybe doing video production, but then I was also leaning toward IT. Um, and the, the reason I cited at the time was like, basically I wanted to do something that would benefit humanity, like technologically. And I remember in particular, my mother kind of laughing at that. And she was like, you don't care about humanity. And, but it's, it's like at this point, you know, not essential things have been shut down. Essential things are still going. Movie production is shut down. <laughs> IT is still going. Yeah. The world knows yeah. that certain professions are actually essential to our continued well, and life. Like any of the trades, carpenters, plumbers, electric, yeah. all that stuff still, they're still, they're still working. Yeah, because you need that stuff in order to maintain the quality of life that people in this country are used to. Um, and then there's a lot of people doing, you know, it, it's video production, music, you know, other arts and a lot of stuff that is definitely, I, I, I'm not saying that they're not important, but the government's kind of saying that they're not essential. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's been interesting to, to just to kind of uh, think about that on a surface level, like what it must feel yeah. like for the people who are, who are like, okay, no, go home. You're not essential to society. Um, and, and, yeah. and most of the people I heard, I haven't heard a whole lot of people complaining like, oh, my non-essential business got shut down. Most of the people complaining were in the earlier stages before the stay-at-home order. Or when, let's say when St. Louis had a stay-at-home order, but before the Missouri one went into place, like when it was still in that sort of halfway stage. I read a lot of people online like commenting on news articles like, oh, my employer is not essential and they're still making me come into work. It's like, you know, you're, you're remaining employed and getting upset about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, they got a job they need to get done to stay in, you know, they right. got to, and if you're going to keep their company afloat, depending on what the job is and how many people you're dealing with, if you've got legitimate concerns about your health, that's one thing. Um, yep. personally, yeah, I don't, I don't know anybody yet personally connected to me. Who's had coronavirus. Do you know anybody who's actually gotten sick with it? I don't know. No. Okay. And that's a good thing. Not personally. Um, and, and, yep. and part of that might be because of all these measures that have gone into place. You know, we can't just say it's not a threat because we haven't seen it. Because obviously we're taking a lot of steps to prevent people from getting it. But yeah, it's like for, for all the numbers and statistics I'm seeing, you know, I, I've the closest that I've heard is like one of my coworkers got a notice from his landlord that somebody else at the apartment complex was showing symptoms. Like that's the the closest to me that it's gotten. And of yep. course that was after we were already working from home. So it's like, well, no danger to me. Um, and if somebody yep. else in my apartment complex was showing symptoms, it wouldn't really affect me. I don't think because it's not really airborne per se. Like it, as long as I stay in my apartment, they stay in their apartment. It shouldn't affect me. Um, yeah. And in terms of the severity, I've heard, I've heard wildly different things from, from different sources and at different points. 
of like how serious the illness actually is when you get it. I think it partially does depend on, you know, age and your immune system to begin with, um, and your just overall health and whatnot. But, you know, I've heard some, some people online kind of, kind of saying that it's, a deadly thing. One of my coworkers, actually, not even online, one of my coworkers who was pushing for us to start working from home, he said, oh, well, 20% of cases are classified as serious, uh, but then the threshold for classifying it as serious is if you're hospitalized with a, respirator, uh, a respirator. And so that means that, you know, one out of five people who get this thing end up needing, you know, artificial help in order to just breathe. And that's, that, that would be pretty serious, it seems like, if one out of five people who caught a disease weren't able to breathe without yeah. medical attention. But then I hear from other people that it's either, A, you know, it's flu-like symptoms. Um, it, you don't even get a runny nose. You know, I, one of my coworkers had a runny nose at one point, or somebody else, it wasn't a coworker, but somebody else at the same company. And somebody else said, oh, well, that's not coronavirus because it, it doesn't produce any extra mucus. Um, it's like coughing and other symptoms. Um, and then there are some people who catch it and don't really display any symptoms. And so, cause we've got in the news, like, oh, stay at home, even if you don't think that you're going to get coronavirus, cause you might have it and you're spreading it to other people unknowingly. But if people mm-hmm. are spreading it around that much unknowingly, it's like, well, how, how serious of a disease is it? But I don't know. Yep. I'm not a doctor, obviously. Well, this is, uh, this, this is interesting, more related to me and you, but uh-huh. I just started reading this. The college that both of us went to, could you imagine trying to do that coursework online? I, it's not possible. I can't. I honestly, can I? Are you? Do you mind if I say the name? Because I don't mind. I don't. Well, that's why I said that. Okay. I don't mind either. Yeah. No. So, uh, so it was yeah. Rankin Technical College in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I've said it in other content by now. That's the only reason I don't yeah. really care. That's um, the only reason I didn't. You know, yeah. I don't care either. So. Uh, um, I. So this is interesting. I'm reading their thing on the site. It says the directives to meet all the stated outcomes of the course. The challenge will be to meet the hands-on outcomes. Right. This may mean that the semester true. will be extended for some of you. Interesting. That would tick me off. Yeah, that. But you I know, mean, what are they? It is what it they've is. They've kind of got a tight summer semester at Rankin, that so that uh, they might not yeah. have one if they have to extend the the spring semester. Well, I think it's important to say for people who don't know, Rankin is very very hands on based. Yeah, and it, I forget it's what a, the percentages they give you are, but it's like well, you're like for us, we did the we did the we both track. did IT, we, yeah, and we both did networking. Did the exact same track. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that means we were in the lab majority of vast majority of the well, time working with hardware right we were in the lab working with well i mean the a plus class was obviously a lot of hardware the cisco lab especially that the the third and fourth semester cisco those were kind yeah. of i mean your routers and switches and firewalls were in a different room than you so that stuff yeah. and that's like when i was i actually took that and i was doing that when i worked at the enterprise job that i yeah. was at and that's the kind of thing where like at Rankin, you would go and you would set up your equipment physically and then you'd walk back to your desk and actually do the work. Uh, when I was actually yeah. doing the job, I never touched a single piece of equipment. I was just doing the work remotely. And that's why that yeah. job, that company is having no issues having the actual people work from home. Now, like a plumber can't yep. do that. You know, a carpenter can't mm-hmm. do working from home because yeah. wood's not going to cut itself because you tell it to from a distance. Yeah. Uh, like you can well, and configure I'm just talking a router about from a distance. From the, yeah, you're talking from an educational yeah. standpoint, right? Yeah, for us, like, it, we wouldn't have been able to do it. Like, it's like the way the coursework what is if, laid out there. It's like, right. all right. And, and like some of your tests were like, all right, here's a stack of routers set up. The hardest know, thing would be the, the OSPF and all this stuff. The hardest yeah, thing the would be stuff. the tests. Uh, because in terms of actually doing exercises, for one thing, there are emulators out there. There's, I mean, there's could be done, Packet yeah. Tracer is a super basic emulator, but then you've also got like GNS3 that uses actual images. So you can do everything, you know, all those labs. There was nothing that you couldn't do 
from home or i mean the it teachers there they're pretty good they could have they're really good they could have set up remote access to those those the equipment in the lab i think if they needed to now the issue then is validating that students are actually doing it because rankin being a technical college in the city of st louis they have a lot of students going there who are not very academically sound and so they have to have stringent standards when they're actually checking that work is being done and especially when they're testing. Yeah. Um, well, we got a grade for work ethic there. Right. Like, that was a major part of your grade yeah. at Reagan was a grade for work ethic. Yeah. And like the work ethic was something that I basically the work ethic, all the, the criteria for that was stuff that I do anyway. And I had been doing my entire academic same life. Same for me. Yeah. Right. Um, but a lot. So and that was part of what I liked about Rankin was that they actually recognized that sort of thing. Whereas other, you know, like universities, uh, it can be appreciated, but then sometimes it just doesn't matter. Um, if you've got good work ethic or not, yep. it's just a lot of grade book stuff. Uh, but yeah, I was thinking, um, yeah, I, I do wonder what Rankin is doing. I, I was thinking before the stay at home order stuff went into place, but like colleges were starting to close. My sister's college closed. I'm still in group chats from Missouri S and T. Uh, with all the Rala people, the Mellophone section, and a lot of the people who come to our extra mm-hmm. live stream every year, I'm in group chats with them, and they were all sent home. Um, and yeah, my brothers are Rala too. So okay, I mean, did they actually get yeah. sent home, or is there what's going on with him? Since you've actually got um, more so direct. classes, yeah, classes have moved to a fully online format. Okay, so they're doing everything online. Um, they basically told them get out of the dorms if you're able to get out of the dorms. Okay, so the dorms are still go, open if somebody needed to stay there they're not actually you closed. had to have a pretty good reason oh, okay did the i mean did like, you need that proof yeah. how like i i don't know okay. i just know they were saying like they were strongly get encouraging out, get getting out okay yeah uh because kirsten's dorms um, they it wasn't like a oh if you can't kirsten's dorms was actually we are closing you have to leave <laughs> yeah no it could have changed i don't know the last thing i heard from him was you know basically everybody was going home yeah because the other problem was going to be like the food and stuff around there oh, was like yeah. drastically like even their their center i forget what it's called there you were there for a little bit uh the uh where the, the place where they have all their well there's so there's a there's a like a buffet style thing in the dorms themselves at thomas jefferson and then there's also the havener center is where like the non that's the one yeah. yeah that's the one he was talking about they were going to reduce hours so that was going to affect what you're able to do so yeah I mean, I can, now that I think about it, people were probably a little bit more packed in the, like the Thomas Jefferson buffet than I would want to be with people right now, um, in the middle of the Mm -hmm. pandemic. So that makes sense. But yeah, the, I I was thinking like Rankin's going to be the last school in the country to send students home. Like, because I mean, even in terms of like snow days, they were notorious for not doing that kind of stuff, but they, so they went, they went to online classes, March 23rd. Okay. Okay. That's Um, pretty late, but I mean. It's a couple weeks ago, yeah. so I, I guess that's around when the St. Louis stay-at-home orders went into effect. Um, yeah. So on the so they've got it all laid out on their website. I'm just looking at oh, it now. Okay. Something interesting. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Don Pohl is now president. Wasn't he? Oh, he was vice president when I was going there, yeah. wasn't he? Okay. But what, so he's yeah. actually wow. Yeah, that is pretty big. Huh. Um. Uh, so just, I just saw that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that other president, the the one before him, had been there for a long time. So. Hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering. There, I'm curious now. Well, yeah. Why is it that every technical college website is absolutely awful? <laughs> I mean, every like community college websites are also awful. Some university websites are pretty awful. Um, it's just I think educational institutions in general. But yeah, 
yeah, I can. I I wonder what they are doing for the more hands-on type classes, like the welding. It and, sounds like they don't know yet. They don't know. Yet. Oh, so the guy who was there before Stan, he's listed as CEO now. CEO. So he's okay. The, that's funny. Uh, did they have it? I guess yeah. was Stan just president and CEO before? Because I didn't remember. He was president. Yeah. A separate CEO. From he was before. I don't remember there being a CEO before, to be honest. Right. Because he like, was president, and then the other whole is vice president. Yeah. There's no vice president listed. Just for some background for our listeners, this is a private college, but it is not for profit. So, like, a CEO yeah. is more something I would expect at a business. But I, I, they're kind of a business, but they are not for profit. Yeah. Um, all right. Well. Interesting. Yeah. Just thought that was interesting. Oh, it's definitely <laughs> interesting. And yeah, it's it's interesting to think about the, I mean, I was also thinking about, I, I watched one, I haven't been watching a ton, but I watched one of President Trump's uh, speech videos or announcements or updates regarding coronavirus. Um, and it was when they announced that standardized testing was being basically canceled for this year. And that was interesting to hear. And it was interesting to hear his remarks on it. Um, and he, he said like, oh, a lot of students are probably going to be happy about this. The ones who work hard, maybe probably not happy about it. Um, and I would be in the latter group, it, you know, if standardized, it, like if standardized testing was postponed right now and not so much like map tests and like the lower grade stuff, but like ACT and SAT, those are standardized tests. And like, I would be pretty angry if I was on the home stretch of my high school career right now and looking to get into college. And now we're yeah, not, not only good. are testing is being like postponed and or canceled uh but then you've also got i mean a lot of these online courses I, now this isn't to say I, I am a believer in online you know education uh but if you're just transitioning to it for the first time and you're trying to apply the same curriculum that you would use in a classroom you're just trying to move it one-to-one online it's you're probably going to lose some stuff oh absolutely um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about, you know, so many kids not going to school right now and probably not receiving the same level and quality of classes that they normally would. Um, well, and some people just can't learn like that either. I would have been one of those people. I would have struggled. Yeah. No, I mean, a I, lot more with online classes. I've always been somebody who I, I, I can teach myself concepts when I really need to, but for, for learning extra stuff, I, being in a classroom and having more of a structure, is helpful even for me and yeah so it's I, like i said i would be i would be very upset if i was a student right now um yeah so um our high school district that we went to is closed till april 22nd yeah yeah i think so. i had heard about that one because a lot of the the school districts were cooperating a whole lot um and some of the school districts were even canceling themselves before the stay-at-home orders went into effect um, and once mm -hmm. again, that got into a lot of people being angry that the stay-at-home orders were late. Uh, but then, well, you had the naysayers saying, oh, you know, we need this from a federal level or from a state level because mayors can't tell schools to close. Well, the, the schools ended up closing before the state orders. So what, what was up with that? Was that just a lie? Or did they, how'd the schools end up closing if they would have needed the state order? How'd they close before the state order? That yeah. didn't make now, a lot of sense Now, this is interesting. So I'm looking at, so this is from our high school that we went uh -huh. to. Well, from the district. Yeah. Um, teachers will shift from review to an, and enrichment from teaching new content, typically taught during fourth quarter. Will not offer the full curriculum, whether they'll be focusing on the most important concepts of the fourth quarter. Um, where was the other thing? So the grading. Okay. During the extended school closure, the remaining part of second semester, grades for students in 6 through 12 will be pass, incomplete, or fail. These grades will not have any bearing on the student's GPA. What? High school. Yeah. Hang on. High school students 
and grade 8 students taking advanced courses will receive high school credit for all passing classes. All right, so, so you're, basically you're saying, looking at this and not me, but that sounds to me like this is affecting, you said, what was the range of grades this is that was for? So let me... Like elementary school is going to be kind of pass fail anyway. You don't care about the GPA so much. Yeah. What for? Let's go, let's focus on high school. Did that? What you just read? Did that grade range include high school? I didn't hear the the numbers. Okay. I'm wondering if I could just send you this. Link. Oh yeah, yeah. Is Telegram it, or no, yeah. Telegram or Jitsi chat either way. All right. Let's. That's take a really look. interesting though. If that's the case. So. It's on the April second, twenty twentieth. Updates to our remote learning plan. Okay, yeah, grades 6 through 12. So, yeah, just like I said, yeah, elementary school would already be pass-fail, but this is for middle and high school where your GPA actually matters. Pass and complete or fail. Not have a bearing on the student's GPA. So, like, yeah, because, like, grades matter a lot, especially in that, like, junior year of high school, like, when you're applying for colleges. Um, That's nuts. I never – I was not one of the kids who was, like, bragging about my GPA or caring or being competitive because I knew that there were – I was in the, like, the upper tier, I would say, for my high school, but I – there were definitely a lot of people there who were academically smarter than me. Um, So I was never like, oh, I want to be, you know, valedictorian. I was never – that was never on my radar uh, because I – that was never something that I could see myself really attaining. Uh, but the, I mean, I would be pretty mad if, if my, I, I did pay attention to my GPA and my, my grades. Um, well, it matters more for scholarships more than anything. I mean, scholarships, see, I would say that if I was in high school, I would agree with you. If you'd said that to a high school student, I think he would agree with you. Uh, but yeah, personally scholarships, what I found, they did nothing for me. Like I, I could have not had well, scholarships and I would have been in the same financial situation, uh, because they, even though I had some scholarships, they were not significant enough to really make any difference in how I was paying for college, the majority of it. Um, and that yeah, was part well, of I why. I got none. So. Right. And that was part of why I transferred because I did get some at Missouri S&T. It was not nearly enough to cover <laughs> Missouri S&T. So that's why, I tra- that's why I transferred to rank. It was because scholarships the do o- nothing. The only people that get enough, it's that top right, 5%. Is the, right. Those are the only people that get it I mean, enough uh, yeah. to make a difference. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it all helps. It all does help. It all helps a little bit, but really, I mean, like I've been operating myself. So we're, we're getting a little bit away from the coronavirus, but I've been operating on a deficit for the past eight months. Um, I've been in Denver for about eight months. I, I think, yes, seven, seven, eight months. Um, I moved here in August and I signed a lease on an apartment in St. Louis in uh, May of last year. So I've still been on that, that lease this whole time. I've been losing money living here in Denver now I still, I, I've been at some points like, oh, should I be, you know, should I be eating like groceries instead of the normal takeout stuff? Cause it would probably be cheaper. But the, at the end of the day, if I get to the point where I'm like an extra dollar is going to kill me, then a lot of things have already gone very wrong and the extra dollar is yeah. not actually going to make a difference in my quality of life. Um, so I just spend it. Um, and that's kind of my, like my, like how I feel about the scholarships. Like, yes, it is nice if you get you know, one thousand or two thousand or five thousand dollars scholarship. But if the total is sixty thousand dollars, you know, oh, am I gonna take out? Oh, am I gonna earn at a job? Am I gonna earn sixty thousand dollars or fifty nine thousand dollars? Or am I gonna take out a sixty thousand dollar loan or fifty nine thousand dollars worth of loans? Like, that's not actually that much of a difference, is how mm-hmm. I would look at that. But in just in terms of like admissions and stuff, that is a huge deal. That they're actually basically freezing people's gpa so there's no chance that, uh, that's th- the people who had good gpas are probably going to be happy about that actually like valedictorian yeah. is locked because yep. n- nothing else from now until the end of the semester as long as they pass their gpa won't go down 
Um, and then if you were if you were second or if you were third or fourth, you now have no opportunity to increase between now and the end of of the the year. Or if you were in the pit, you don't have any opportunity to save yourself. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Students in kindergarten through fifth grade will not receive a final report card this year. So that one doesn't matter as much, but that's actually really funny. They're just not even doing yeah. the, the pass incomplete fail for them. Uh, they're just saying. They're probably just like, elementary yeah, you're, school. you're done. This yeah. You're done. Have fun. <laughs> Jeez. That's crazy. I hadn't, I hadn't read this until just now. Yeah. No, that is crazy. Because like, like, most of a, the friends we had this is a pretty, were out of high school at this point. So yeah, no, this is in this school district is is a I'm not they're not like the most prestigious school district in St. Louis, but they're a, a decent school district. They're not bad. They're a very good school district in the St. Louis area. So I would imagine that the other ones that are that are in the upper tier of school districts in the area are doing some of their stuff. So yeah, that is that is really interesting. If I was a parent, I would be more upset about the the kindergarten through fifth grade thing. Like, you know, even though my kids, you know, even though my kids in third grade, I still don't want them to not learn for the next three months. Um, That's crazy. Well, yeah, going back to the economy. So what was that thing that was passed? So Trump gave everybody $12,000, right? I don't. I think it was twelve hundred. No, twelve um, twelve hundred. Is that not what I said? Did I say something else? I, I meant twelve. You said twelve. I meant twelve hundred. Yeah. So one thousand two hundred. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. To be honest, I haven't even looked into it. Um, the reason I did is because being like being operating on a deficit, I'm still like. I, I'm not financially affected by the 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 coronavirus thing, and that's what I why I thought what they did was interesting. So I was before we started the podcast today, I was kind of looking up some details about Obama's 2008 stimulus package. That was a recession, um, and there was a stimulus package then that I think the amount that you received then was a little bit more variable in 2008. Um, I don't know if you know anything about what happened then. I I don't, I don't really no. either because we you know I was a kid. My parents were dealing with that kind of thing and not me. But yeah, I was looking into the, I don't remember if it was called the stimulus thing, uh, stimulus bill, or if it was, I think it was a financial relief bill or something like that, but it was passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, everybody, here, let me pull up the details actually, because this is a, a pretty big news thing. We should have details for that. All right. So it's a two, $2 trillion stimulus package. Congress passed it Friday, March 27th, and Trump signed it. And I don't know. I aren't we in debt, Michael, <laughs> as a country? How do we find two trillion dollars? Uh, yep. Um, okay. So here's how it works. So individuals who earn and it's pretty. Like I said, I've been honestly. I did not vote for for Trump, uh, but the I have to say the financial things that have happened while he's been president have been fairly straightforward. The tax straightforward uh, or, or the tax simplifications that have been passed by his administration have have made things less less complicated at least uh for lower income people paying taxes and this stimulus package is also surprisingly straightforward so individuals who earn $75,000 in adjusted gross income so gross income um or less would get direct payments of $1,200 each with married couples earning up to 150,000 so that's twice as much um, or receiving $2,400, so twice as much. So it doesn't matter if you're married or single. If you earn less than $75,000 a year, you get $1,200 is how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, does that apply to you? It applies yes, to it me. Would. Okay. So yeah, and the, let's see, the the payment, here's, I also thought this was kind of interesting, and I, I think it's a good thing, but I was surprised that they did it. Um, the payment would scale down by income 
phasing out entirely at $99,000 for singles and $198,000 for couples without children. Um, so if you make $100,000 a year or more, you get nothing from this. Mm-hmm. Now, like, I think that makes perfect sense. If you're, if you're making, you know, $100,000, is that like upper middle class? Or is that like, yeah. Would- yeah. Um, cause like, I, I don't know the actual definitions for when middle class starts and stops, but like 60,000, I think is, uh, like a, a turning point that I've heard between like lower middle class and middle middle class, I guess, I guess like 40,000 is middle class for sure. But yeah. I, so if you make a hundred thousand or more, they're not giving anything to them. Um, and it's interesting that this was passed by, uh, I, I guess Congress is, has got a lot of Democrats in it right now. Uh, the House does. The House, okay. They've got maj- they've got majority in the House, and then the Republicans still have majority in the Senate. Senate? Yeah. Okay, um, it's been a little while since I've checked, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that makes sense to me. But yeah, I was I was just surprised at how like simple and straightforward it is, and it doesn't have anything about whether or not you're actually affected by this financially. It's not non-essential individuals, and that would be I think. It would have saved a lot of money if they had limited it to just the people who are actually out of work because of this. But then it also would have added a lot of complication because then you have to prove that you're out of work. The people who aren't out of work are going to get upset about it more. Like personally, I don't mind that this was passed at all, even though it's like, you know, (laughs) I don't know where the the two trillion dollars is coming from in our country's budget. Uh, I think our country is screwed financially long term anyway. I have thought that for a while anyway. Uh, But if I'm getting twelve hundred dollars that's going to pay for, you know, a month of my rent. So I'm okay with it. So I, I guess maybe, I, I think they were, they were applying it very broadly so that a good majority of actual voting people would not get super pissed off. And mm-hmm. they did a decent job at formulating that. So you hadn't heard about that at all? You hadn't you looked it up or anything? I hadn't, lo- I'd heard about it. I just hadn't looked it up and actually read the, you know, the documentation yeah. for it or anything. Okay. Uh, what do you think about it? You think it was good idea or necessary? I don't know. I mean, I mean, you say the, you know, say the same thing. You know, where, where is it coming from? <laughs> you right. know, that's that's no, the whole thing. You know, I completely get why they did it though, because like I said, if yeah. if you're out of if you're quote unquote non-essential and you're out of work, you're screwed. Right. So then this now it's funny. Some people, I mean, twelve hundred dollars that would be enough in St. Louis to pay for my apartment rent for my St. Louis apartment and my like electric and water bills and gas. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Denver, that does not even cover the apartment itself. Like it, it that's crazy. It really, and it, it's not far off from covering the apartment, but it, it really is just so because like if you're in New York, that might be half of an apartment, you know, half of a small one bedroom <laughs> apartment. Um, yeah, like two square feet, right? <laughs> like a broom closet. It really depends. And it's, it's interesting that they did this at a federal level because it depends so much on where you live. And it's like, do you really think it makes sense to give everybody in the country the same amount when living costs are so drastically different? But then once again, if you give people different amounts, then people start asking, well, how come I didn't get as much as that other person? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, and think about the complexity in that. Right. Too, Cause and know? then you have to figure out exactly. You have to figure out quantifiable and provable numbers for it's going to be three years before you even see the check then <laughs> right and and then people still probably wouldn't agree on it by the end so i it really does it seems oh. like they really threw out a bunch of money at the same time and it was more like okay the people on the bottom are going to get screwed if we don't do this so we're going to give the people who aren't quite as affected some money too to make sure that it gets through um it, mm-hmm. it seems like that's what happened and so like i said i don't have a big problem with that i'm not angered by that 
I, in fact, I, I am, <laughs> I, I feel a little guilty, but I'm kind of glad that that happened. Now, obviously it's not a good thing that a pandemic's going on, but if I don't end up yep. getting coronavirus by the end of this, then like I, I have not been put out of work. I'm still working normal hours. So the net result of the coronavirus pandemic for me personally will be $1,200 extra in my bank account. Um, and I don't like, like if, I, if, I, that. if I actually had relatives or somebody who, or if somebody, let, let me say it this way. If I knew somebody who had relatives or close friends who actually had caught coronavirus and maybe were medically affected by it, then I might not be as comfortable talking about it that way. But yeah, it's just, everything seems so disconnected right now as in a, more so even because everybody's inside. So yeah, you, it sounds like you normally go out a lot more than I do and actually do stuff around St. Louis. Right. Oh, con- constantly. Yeah. Constantly. So how's it been for you staying at home all the time? Oh my God. <laughs> You can only watch so much YouTube and play so many video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you still keeping in touch with people online, like the same groups, or are people kind of just dispersed um, and gone silent? We're, we're trying. Some people have gone silent. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the people, we've, you know, we've been playing video games. Yeah. So. It's interesting for me. I Obviously, I, a lot of my time I spend inside anyway, making YouTube videos and, you know, just doing whatever. I don't play video games a whole lot, but, like... Most of my time, I like I said, I'm either at work or I'm just going to go straight home after work anyway and like make a YouTube video maybe and then go to bed. Like that's, that's my normal day. Uh, but it's still like I feel like people are underestimating the psychological impact of everybody just staying inside for so long. Because even though I normally am by my like am inside most of the day anyway, I had been making a conscious effort the past couple months to actually get out and do stuff more and try and actually yep. meet people around Denver. So you hear something interesting yeah. regarding to that sure. point? I don't know the exact percentage, but DV cases where I work. Oh yeah. Domestic violence. Dramatically yep. increased by a lot, like a noticeable. Yeah. I, I heard statistics about that and yeah, obviously not great. Uh, not, not good at all. Um, I heard when, when the stuff was happening in China and when we were still all going about our normal lives, I heard that in China, the, they were expecting a large influx of divorces and a large influx that like basically a baby boom and hopefully not from the exact same people but that was what i was hearing but yeah and it'll probably honestly i could see that happening here as well yeah but yeah it's it's been interesting um i'll get a little personal for a second just because i think it's interesting how different aspects of our society are adjusting to this so like you probably i i just would assume that you don't use any dating apps no i don't okay yeah so i've been like the past year or so uh basically since i was like in a good financial position where i consider myself you know um safe to be dating uh, I, I had tried out a couple of different dating apps, um, and some of them have different atmospheres than others. There's like Tinder, obviously, is more of a casual one. There's like OkCupid um, and Bumble and Hinge, uh, and there there are different ones. And you know, I get these notifications from them uh, sometimes where they remind you they want you to go and use their app, and they've all got ads, and that's how the companies running the apps primarily make money is from the ads in them. But yeah, it's been interesting to have on these apps like the app creators are still sending out notifications like trying to get people to continue using these dating apps but then nobody uh-huh. can actually go out on dates so it's <laughs> it's like what are we all doing on the app i've actually gotten like i've talked to a couple different people on those apps um mm-hmm. within the past couple weeks and it's just like okay well hi like 
you know, we, we have a little conversation, like, oh, tell me about yourself, like basic stuff. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, once this, this coronavirus stuff is over, we should, we should get lunch sometime. It's like, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then it's like, just silent after that. It's like, how many weeks is that going to be? So we're just going to have this, like, I guess, queue built up after when, when the stay at home orders lift, if it happens all at once like that. Uh, with the stay-at-home orders lifting, but yeah, it's been really interesting. And then I, I don't use any of like the hookup apps. That's not my thing at all. But I had also read some funny news stories and like tweets from the companies who make those, where they were like basically encouraging people to sext instead of having hookups. Like, <laughs> imagine that. But yeah, it was. It's been interesting to see oh yeah and just uh you mentioned the domestic violence thing which i i've heard a lot of quoted stuff about that both with like spouses and also child abuse like about how a lot of people are stuck at home right now who would normally be not wanting to be spending a lot of time at home um and i'm also wondering how the suicide rate is going to look just in general by the end of this and i i haven't seen a whole lot of statistics yet for that but you know you've got a lot of people who you know, a, a depressed person, you generally don't want to just let them stay inside. You want to have them, you know, enrolled in a class or having a job or something where even if they don't really think they care, they're at least still getting out and they're going and doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then that expends energy and then they can come home and sleep rather than just wallowing in, you know, depression all day. But that's being removed as an option for a lot of people. And so I don't think that's very good. And I, it's really interesting because it's, in America, we like to make these generalizations about about people's political views, like, oh, you know, this person's just a liberal or this person's just a conservative. And like the impression that I had initially was that liberals were the ones pushing for all this stay-at-home stuff. They don't care about the economy. They, they're screaming about science, but then they're also screaming about this sort of overreactive stuff before a lot of the science is in yet. And then they're also just kind of turning their backs on some of their own topics and causes that they normally would care about, like domestic violence or like depression and, and suicide. So yeah, I think a lot of people just are, are underestimating the, the impact of, of basically telling people not to have a life for months at a time. Yeah. So when do you think it's going to end? Do you, do, you have any, do you even have a guess? Well, most of the stay-at-home orders right now Go till the end of April. Uh, yeah. For around here. Yeah, the Denver now, one. They all, the Denver they all say they can be extended. Right. The Denver so one knows? is not in till the end of April yet. The Denver one was initially going to end the weekend of Easter, the Friday before Easter. Uh, but the mm-hmm. mayor has already made a press release saying that if the Colorado governor does not extend his order this week, uh, then the Denver mayor is going to extend the Denver order to the end of April this week. Gotcha. Oh, but go ahead. What were you saying, though? So I don't know. Like, do you think they're good? Do you think it's actually going to be end of April or do you think they're going to extend it again? I, I really don't know. I've heard different predictions online. Um, and obviously online, you got a lot of conspiracy theorists. But yeah, some people are. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this was my biggest issue. You know, hit the rewind button on the VHS tape and go all the way back to before the stay at home orders had gone into place. Like I said, back yeah. when my department was debating, two of us were pro work from home, two of us were anti work from home. And part mm-hmm. of what I was saying was, well, if we're going to start working from home, you've got to have like an end date for that. You can't just say, like my manager was saying, I think we should start working from home indefinitely. And I was like, hang on, (laughs) indefinite is really a dangerous word and you really should have an end date before we go into this. 
Um, and now with the stay-at-home orders, we're kind of seeing that the end date might not mean all that much anyway, because like you said, it can always be extended. Um, but when we started, I was like, okay, well, what are we going <laughs> to, we going to go home for, for, for two weeks or, you know, three weeks, four weeks. Um, initially one of our plans before the stay at home orders was we were going to go every other week. Uh, like half the department would work from home and half would work from the office. And, but then the incubation period for coronavirus is two weeks. So then it would have to be every two weeks we rotate out. And even then, if somebody gets coronavirus two days before the end of their shift, then the next people who come in might get it from a surface that they touch. So like none of that would have worked, but it was all being Mm -hmm. thrown out as possible. Like, Oh, let's do this. Let's do this. That's, you know, it seemed like people were just wanting, just like really wanting to have something interesting and non-standard to do. And then they weren't really thinking it through. And then eventually the stay at home orders came out and it's just like, okay, well that, that tells us kind of what we're doing. Um, Yep. But then, yeah, some people online said, so like the reason why the Denver one wasn't until April 30th in the first place, uh, some people were, were making good points that it's like, well, if you tell people that they have to stay at home for a month, people are gonna, more people are gonna get mad. Whereas if you tell them you have to stay at home for the next two weeks and then two weeks later you extend it, then it's like, it's incremental, you know, it's, it's less of a shock. Um, yep. And it's easier to control people that way. And it's, you know, I see, I get that they're doing that just because we understand, like some people online are using that as arguments on why it's a good thing they're extending these orders. It's like, just because you understand how they're controlling you doesn't mean you should necessarily be for them controlling you. Like it's good. Yeah. It's good that you have the sort of the, the surface level knowledge of what they're doing. Cause it's not like that's mm-hmm. that complicated of a plan anyway. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've heard some people online saying that it might go until, you know, end of the summer or until the end of the end of the year, which obviously isn't realistic from an economic standpoint, uh, to go to no. the end of the year. But you know, if they go another month, uh, this, this $1,200, like I said, even in Missouri, that, that would only cover one month of rent. That wouldn't cover two months of rent for a, a, a nice one bedroom apartment. I guess if you're, if you're in a really cheap area, which I guess would be, I guess more likely to be affected then maybe $1,200 mm-hmm. can get you through two months of rent possibly. I don't know if you, I, I haven't looked in rent prices in Missouri for yeah. since I moved here. But yeah, like if, if it goes on too long, then they'll have to pass more of these stimulus things. And I know some of the Democratic uh, Congress members were saying, like, this is not the end. You're going to see another one of these. But yeah, now here's my issue with with all of these stay-at-home orders right now. Do you have any clue, like, what the long-term... What, what are we waiting for before the stay-at-home orders, before they lift them and stop extending Good them? Question. <laughs> like, Good question. Good <laughs> what question. What is the statistic that we're waiting for? Like so many, because the, the number of cases right now, I guess, is going up incrementally, but we're also testing a lot more uh, as more tests are being produced and all of that. So really, I, we can't really trust numbers in relation to previous numbers. We can only trust the most recent numbers that we have. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like, so we, we're trying to quote unquote level this curve. I mean, what what's the point on the graph where we're going to call it good? I mean, it seems like we, they've got to have a vaccine by the, before this can be lifted, right? Uh, because what happens when we're all... So backing up to the very beginning, this started in China, right? Yeah. And I always think it's interesting with like pandemics and just any sort of like big, any sort of big important disease that is communicable. I don't know if you ever think about this, but like somebody has to be the first one, right? Yeah. Somebody has to be patient zero. And I'm, I'm not a doctor or a scientist who would know how the viruses are formed in the first place in patient zero. I don't know how that works. 
but it's crazy to think about so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have gotten this virus that all came from initially one patient zero because mm-hmm. it, I mean, unless it came from somewhere else, I heard, I, I heard conspiracy theories about this, uh, being developed as a bioweapon in Canada and then shipped to, to, to China. And like, I, I don't know if you heard any of like the conspiracy. Theories no, I, or what, I have not. But yeah. Um, I, I hang out with a lot of Canadians online. That's why I probably hear more Canadian conspiracy theories and mm. news stories than your average American. But, but yeah, so this all started from one person and over the course of four or five months, it's become global. So everybody could stay inside for months and we could wait until we think that nobody has this virus anymore. And then they lift the stay at home orders. We all go back outside. And if what happens if one person still had it? We can't guarantee that nobody in the world has it anymore. We don't have a global scanning capability like they have in Star Trek on their their spaceship where we can scan a whole planet at the same time. We, mm-hmm. you know, Somebody is still going to have it. So we're all going to go back outside. And then if, if people start catching it again, then what? We, we say, okay, well, let's do it again. Let's go back inside for another five months just kind of like oh let's go out for let's go out for a week and test the waters and see if if it starts spreading again and if it does then what so it it seems like they have to have either a a vaccine to prevent people from being affected by this or a cure for people who are affected by it Uh, and i I don't know if you've read any news stories about the vaccines that are being developed no i haven't okay and I think uh, this is one place where if I was in my previous job, was at a healthcare company um, or a health services company. And so if I was still working there, I think I'd be a little bit more educated on this. But just from looking stuff up before we started the podcast today, there are varying, definitely varying estimations. None of them are looking very good, though, for when a vaccine mm-hmm. is going to be. Um, so we've got The Guardian, which is an extremely liberal news source, very non neutral you know they 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 tweet and brag about how their entire board of editors are all women and they basically put out trump slam articles every other day um and the guardian says that the regulatory approval process for a vaccine like this for it's a coronavirus um and people were calling it the novel coronavirus the the word novel was referring to the fact that this is a kind of a new thing a new development that we haven't seen this type of virus before becoming such a big issue. And so the the regulatory process for that typically takes a decade or more is what the Guardian says. So they're, they're in, in they, they were comparing that to President Trump saying that he is uh, hoping for a vaccine to be ready by the election in November, which like that's honestly what I was kind of, I, I hadn't heard Trump say that, but I was assuming, oh, like yeah. by the end of this year, they, they're going to have a vaccine because this is, I mean, literally people are not being allowed to leave their homes to do their jobs. And so clearly this is probably priority number one for most medical professionals. Well, that's, that is another thing to look at, though, too, because if it is priority number one, they can push things through quicker. Yeah, so it know. might be faster than, than the decade that a regulatory approval for a, a brand new vaccine might normally take. Um, so oh, that's this an, thing's that's blocking entirely. us from doing this? All right, let's get rid of that. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, well, but the thing is, I mean, we still, we do want to make sure it's safe. I'm not saying we should oh, have absolutely. A, a brand new vaccine out next week. And I am, <laughs> I'm not a great person with like vaccines. I haven't gotten a flu shot since uh, I was required to get one before I went into the Missouri S&T dorms. Uh, since then, I have not gotten a single, you know, vaccine for anything. 
I don't know. Do, do you go to the doctor often? I guess you. I think you do go to the doctor kind of uh, at least regularly. I do right? just and the re, and you know it's that's good. more for the fact that I've got you know diabetes and other yeah. health issues. I don't have diabetes, but it runs in my family. I'm right. uh, multiple risk factors for it. I'm overweight. This is all stuff I've dealt with my whole life. Okay. And I do get and I do get vaccinated regularly. Okay. So and yeah, that's it's kind of paradoxical because less healthy people they're more likely to see their doctors more often. Like I I have always been healthy, and so I. If it ain't broke, I don't go to the doctor because there's nothing to fix. Um, but then I could I could have cancer right now and not know it. I could, you know, I could have coronavirus right now, I guess suppose, and not know it since I haven't gotten tested for that. Well, that's not an interesting that. point because there are some people that, you know, it is apparently possible to, you know, have it and not show symptoms. So. Oh yeah, for the coronavirus, and I mentioned that earlier, how like it, yeah. how I I find a hard time just believing that it's as serious as so many people are making it out to be given that some people, I mean, it, it just is such a wide range If some people don't show symptoms and then other people die. Like that's such a wide range. Um, and it's, yep. it's crazy to think about, but yeah, even just on a more general scale, I tend to not trust like doctors in general. Um, and so it, which is not, I'm not saying that people should be like that. I'm just saying like on an instinctual level, that's how I am. Um, and so I am all for like, you know, test the vaccine, make sure there aren't like adverse side effects. A lot of vaccines that are used commonly have allergic reactions that can exist anyway. Um, so we don't need to make the situation worse by pushing something through and, stupidly you know, quickly. It's going to do one thing to one person, somebody else, it could do something totally different. So it's right. Like yeah. And I, and there, I've, I read some articles that the guardian post, despite my dislike of the guardians, political leanings, they actually went into a lot of detail, uh, on the technical aspects of how the new vaccines that are being made, they're kind of skipping some of the need for testing by coming up with new ways to basically a lot of vaccines you're basically giving the person a shot of a small number of weakened copies of the actual virus that you're, you're trying to protect against, right? And then that way your immune system is exposed to it. It's weak and it's a small number, so your immune system can, can defeat it. And then you've got the antibodies for if you actually come into contact with a full-blown one, right? Um, mm -hmm. That's how a vaccine normally works. But then they're instead of using actual viruses, they're, they're now using genetic material, RNA and DNA, that matches the virus rather than the virus itself. So then that's apparently a little bit safer and can potentially be produced faster once production is stood up. Although some companies are not currently set up to produce that kind of thing because that's not how vaccines have traditionally been made. So I, and I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to go too into the, the technicalities of it. Um, but I'll, I'll I, I should probably post a lot of link uh, links in the link dump for this episode, I guess, since it's, yep. it's so news heavy and source heavy. Um, but so that was the guardian though, saying like up to the guardian was basically saying Trump is stupid for saying that it's, um, so soon we're going to have this because the, the guardian basically wants it to take as long as possible. Now that Trump has said it's going to be quick. Um, so they're, they're quoting a decade. Um, now the BBC, I consider to be a little bit more neutral. Um, obviously government sponsored, but it's British and, um, I just like the NPR in, in the United States is fairly, they, they manage to stay fairly neutral. The BBC I find does as well. So scrolling through the, the BBC article here. So there are currently some human trials, uh, that are, are going through, uh, and they basically we're skipping a lot of animal testing that normally happens, um, with new vaccines. Mm -hmm. They're just going straight to human trials and they're saying, okay, uh, well, let's, let's, I, I would never volunteer myself for a, a trial of a vaccine. So the people who are doing that, I guess, props to them. Um, 
Oh, there's money in it for them, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, yeah. There's there's literally people that their job is they just do clinical trials. That's yeah. what they do. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, the BBC says even if these tests do prove successful, it's not expected manufacturers will be able to produce a mass-produced vaccine until the second half of 2021. Once again, because even once you've got one lab who produces a vaccine and proves that it works, you still need to manufacture enough of it mm -hmm. to go around to everyone. And so, I mean, second half of 2021, we can't stay inside until the second half of 2021. We can't, no. it's not really reasonable for us to stay inside until the second half of 2020. I mean, that's going to be, I mean, unless there, that would be major restructuring of our society. So yeah, I'm not seeing that really being realistic. But then once again, if we don't have a vaccine, why end the stay-at-home order if there's no vaccine? Because it, the, why will it not just happen again? The One of the things I've heard some of my friends say, that the reason, one of the main reasons for these stay-at-home orders is to slow it down enough that the medical system can take care of it instead of overwhelming them all at once. Yeah, so. yeah. But so what? We're going to do the stay-at-home order until... I mean, then you need a number, though, again. You need to say, okay, well, how many hospital beds are in the United States? So how many people in general are in the United States? Then take the total population of the U.S. minus the number of hospital beds, and that's how many people need to get coronavirus before the stay-at-home order ends? I don't know. I mean, that's I the most... From a math standpoint, that's the most logical, basic thing that I can think of. But I mean, th at that point, you're waiting for the majority of the population to get coronavirus before you end the stay-at-home order. You're not testing the majority of the population anyway. Um, and it'll be real interesting if they try and test everybody in the entire country, because that's not very realistic, I don't think. Um, for one thing, you've got a lot of people out in rural areas who don't have infrastructure for testing. And then in the cities, if somebody came to my door and said they're from the government and they wanted to test me, I would resist that. But yeah, it's, I mean... And then another thing I've heard about coronavirus, too, is that part of the issue with it is that once you get it, you might get it again later. Like, just because you your body is defeated at once, I don't know what what the technical reason is, but I, have you heard that? I that have was, not. That was one of the first things I heard about it uh, when it was happening in China was that it it isn't like other viruses in that once, like, it, you can catch it, you can go through the whole deal and then your body can fight it off and then you're, you're good again. But then a couple weeks later you can catch it again. And I, I, I don't know if, I don't think it's actually mutating itself. Like, I mean, the flu, we have different strains of the flu. I don't think it's like that. It is the same strain of coronavirus that can just get you multiple times. Um, and like I said, that was one of the first things I heard about it when it was in China. I also read it today. Um, I don't know if it's on this. I've got like two BBC articles and a guardian article up at the same time right now. And also a times article. So, so Not this sure Guardian article says there has been reports out of China. Uh, I cannot talk. There have been reports out of China suggesting people are testing positive for COVID nineteen a second time. Most scientists think it is an issue around the inaccuracy of testing. Okay. And that people are not having two separate cases of the disease. Okay. I mean that makes sense. If it was the testing issue, I mean that would be much better. Uh, but yeah, that would obviously that would be a huge issue if it was true. And so yeah, I guess they need to figure that out. And I mean, that, that might also be part of the incubation period thing, right? Because the, the mm -hmm. whole thing with the, it was up to 14 days is the, the incubation period. But then there were also times when if you were exposed once and it was very obvious, like let's say I traveled to China, then I come back home. And then three weeks later, I have coronavirus. I might think that I caught it back when I was in China, but really I got it two days ago uh, from some other person in my town. So the incubation period, a lot of that stuff that was being reported initially was also not 
necessarily entirely accurate. Um, gotcha. Yep. But yeah, it's I. It's just really ridiculous. It seems like, and I. I'm not saying that you know that I could do a better job than the people in charge or anything. Cause obviously, you know, something had to be done. They couldn't just let everybody get sick because if the hospitals got overrun, that would be an issue. But yeah, I've heard, I've heard statistics about people dying from coronavirus. I have not heard any statistics about a hospital actually being full. Have you? Uh, no. Like I, I feel like that would be something that would be very published in the headlines. Like person dies waiting outside of hospital. I feel like that would be something that would be circulated pretty widely. And I haven't heard any, mm-hmm anything like that so far well yeah i (laughs) it's really crazy how how this has been affecting everything and nerd of the street uh since this is the the nerd of the street podcast basically unaffected if anything this has been actually really great for for the company um i don't know michael have you been keeping up with our our recent videos and Uh, i've been slammed with work so not as much but yeah, uh, that makes that's totally understandable. No, so uh, I published actually. I I normally I had fallen into about a every two week cadence for tech videos uh, this year so far. Uh, once again, because I was trying to get out and actually live a life um, and not just survive in an apartment. So, but then since I've been stuck in the apartment anyway, might as well use the time for something productive. So I've been going back to every single week. I've been making a tech video. Um, just two days ago, I put out a video. Or actually, it was it was yesterday. I put out a video how to to host a Jitsi meet server. I was talking to you before we started. We're talking on Jitsi yep. right now. It's working pretty well, isn't it? Yeah, it's working very well. Yeah, and I think you know, obviously, I I don't know how much you ever use Jitsi. But when I was using Jitsi with the people uh, in rolling release, we had issues with poor quality and just latency and things like that. But uh, we're talking audio only right now, and we're also talking on our own private instance of Jitsi that's hosted on a DigitalOcean droplet. Um, rather than the public meet.jit.c instance that we normally used. So I made a video about how to do that. And in the first, it's been exactly 24 hours and 24 minutes, YouTube is telling me. It's gotten 742 views and it's gotten 102, uh, 122 hours of watch time. That is 400% more watch time than the average video that I post. And it is the top ranking video out of the last 10 videos that I posted. So that's pretty nice. Um, And I think a lot of people are searching. The reason I made that is because I knew a lot of people would be searching right now for how to host like online video chatting solutions because people are are staying inside, um, but they're still wanting to talk to friends and stuff. And a lot of people are using Zoom. Have you, do you have Zoom installed on your computer? No, no. Do you, have you heard of it? Yeah, we use it at work sometimes, but it's not actually the one we're using for most of our stuff right now. So. Okay, what are you using for most of your stuff, if you're able to say? Um, We are using Amazon Chime. Okay. Amazon Chime, you said? Yes. Interesting. Um, I haven't heard of that one. Is that? It's because it we're doing a bunch of stuff with Amazon right now. Um, okay. I hadn't heard of it either. Um, we're, we're, we're in the works on a bunch of projects involving, you know, like cloud hosting and all that stuff, but that doesn't matter. Okay, um, yeah. That's, that's how that's how we got connected with that particular product was because have of all of that. Have you used Cisco WebEx before? No, I have not. No? Okay. Yeah, because I was going to ask you how Amazon Chime compared to WebEx. When I was at my enterprise job, uh, basically every company that we worked with and every meeting that we attended was on WebEx except for one company. It was the uh, the firewall company that we used. It was not Cisco. It was a different company. They were a competitor. It was Checkpoint. Um, and so the <laughs> Checkpoint people refused to use WebEx. And just for them, we always had to use Zoom, but everything else was WebEx. So I kind of thought that Zoom was just an off-brand, like knockoff WebEx. But uh, but now it's apparently super popular. Have you, does, 
your brother who was going to S&T, is, he's still doing classes online, right? Yeah, I don't know what they're using. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, they're doing it through something. I don't yeah, know which my, one. My, using, uh, my sister's college is doing their classes through Zoom right now, and I, I've heard a lot of people online. And I also know that a lot of people are doing Zoom for classes and for work right now and even for personal stuff because I currently work in a customer-facing support role, and I've had to help a whole bunch of customers calling in asking me how to get Zoom working on our computers. Um, <laughs> So I it, like I had no clue that it was so popular, but it is proprietary. Um, it is not end-to-end encrypted, so Zoom can see all of the the video that's going on um, and theoretically could record it. And then also they had some call routing issues. Uh, it was actually pretty funny. Zoom admitted they were accidentally routing some calls between two people in North America. They were routing it through China by mistake. So your video was going from the united states cross the border to china it gets decrypted and then re-encrypted on the server there then comes back into the united states nice so yeah clearly i i i I just thought it was funny what do you think about that that's yeah that's yeah (laughs) It, it was such a pr nightmare for them because like people were starting to like so many people using your product you know, people start looking at the privacy policy and, and the encryption scheme and all that. And then in the middle of all of that investigation on their encryption scheme, because they don't use an industry standard encryption scheme, like Jitsi uses TLS, which is pretty industry standard. Uh, but Zoom has their own encryption scheme. Um, and they don't really say why they have their own instead of using a, a, a standard one. But in the middle of that being just kind of looked at by security researchers, then it was like, oops, we accidentally, What what happened was, Zoom has been under heavy load, so they've been throwing up way more servers, right? Obviously, if, you, if more people start using your product, you have to put up more servers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happened was they have geofencing normally to where your calls will only go to data centers in your country, or if there aren't any in your country, it'll go to whatever's closest. Uh, but then they, they forgot basically to implement the geofencing on the backup servers that they've been throwing up because they were kind of emergency response, like, crap, our website's down, we need more servers now, and so they just put the servers up, they forgot to implement the geofencing, um, and then and then that came out. So, yeah, that was an ordeal. Yeah, um, so, yeah we, don't, we don't use Zoom a whole lot. Um, we've been using Amazon. The other one that we use is, it, I don't even know what it is, it's a product from Avaya, the courts are using it to oh, do okay. some yeah. hearings, but that's hosted on their own machine. Self-hosted, yeah. 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 Um, well, yeah. Um, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today, Michael. I don't know if we if we reached any groundbreaking conclusions, but it, it's a <laughs> such a crazy time. I just kind of wanted to document um, for us what was kind of going on. Did you have any other thoughts or any other other topics or points of discussion? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Um, everybody, thanks for listening to episode eighty one of the Nerd of the Street podcast. Um, you can. Find more episodes at nerdofthestreet.com, or you can obviously listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play. I also added the podcast to Spotify just this weekend, so you can find it on there. Uh, but yeah, for now, uh, Michael, you don't have a Twitter or anything, right? No, I don't. Okay. Probably, uh, yeah, it's for the best. I, I hate having a Twitter, but... <laughs> I have uh, no social media, <laughs> and I plan on keeping it that way. If, if you guys want to uh, respond to any of our thoughts here, you can do that at the comments section on nerdonthestreet.com on the post for this podcast. Um, so thanks again for joining us. I'm Jacob Kaufman. I'm Michael Cheneau. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye.